Okay, so um, yesterday, or the day before, we finished, on Friday, we finished the laws of Tsaras in the cycle of the Rambam study. And I want to talk a little bit about a specific halacha in the Rambam of Tsaras. And we touched upon it with Yimin Hamarev earlier in the week. Also being, um, there's a very fascinating and famous Gemara on this very halacha, which is Agadatah. It's a Gemara which we say that the secrets of the Torah are hidden in the Agadita so it's certainly it's a Gemara but it's uh, perhaps uh, not so typical Nigla Gemara it's more esoteric um, and finally in Chassidus there are uh, there has a lot been there's been a lot written in Chassidus both by the Alt Rebbe and the Tzamech Tzedek and the Rebbe and the Mittler Rebbe and, uh, explaining the um, mystical dimension to this halacha, so as we're in the season of Yutas Kislev and Hanukkah and Light and Chesidus, so I thought it would be a nice idea to go through this halacha both from the Nikla perspective and from the Chesidus perspective and see how they um, complement each other. So um, the introduction that you need to know is, everybody's familiar with the idea of Tzeras, which is a lesion, a white lesion that comes on the skin, and if it, fills, if it fits certain criteria, it renders the person a it's tzaras, it renders the person a mitzara with all sorts of um, uh, ramifications. The, he becomes Tomei, and there's all the relevant halachas. He has to stay outside of the walled cities, etc., etc. Ruben, there is a real knife on the other table which uh, may save you some aggro. Um, so, so that's the basic halacha. Now, one of the one of the ways, if a person just has the white lesion, doesn't automatically make him Tomei, they then has to follow by a simon tumor. Now, a simon tumor can be one of three things. The one we're going to discuss today is white hairs. That means if a person has a lesion the size of a gris, whatever that size is, yeah, a nickel, a dime, a quarter, whatever, if this person has a, a white lesion that size, before I keep on using this word lesion, is that the accurate word? It's, it's really just a discoloration. It doesn't have to be any growth or anything. It's just a discoloration of the skin. I'm not sure if lesion like means stuff. All right, whatever it is, if a person has, let's, you know what, we're just going to use the word baharas, that's the Hebrew word for it, right? So if a person develops this discoloration, this baharas, and he also has two white hairs inside the baharas, then that is one of the qualifications, and this baharas is indeed a saras. Now, in order for the white hairs to count, it has to be that first came the baharas, then came the white hairs. If a person has white hairs, that's, let's say, the natural color of his hair and his skin, and... Um, or even if, even if that's not the natural color, but his hair is turned white. And then f- after the hair is turned white, then the skin became discolored. That does not qualify as Tzeras. It has to be, as the Pasuk says, V'hi lovin, the Baharas turned the hair white. But if the white hair preceded the Baharas, then it does not qualify as Tzeras. Okay, now there's a Mishnah. The Mishnah says as follows. If you have a baharas kechatsi gris, you have a baharas which is only the, si- the half the requisite size. It's the half of a half a gris. And as of yet, there are no white hairs there. And then, so right now you see half, uh, half a gris size discoloration, no problem, right? Then the next day the guy wakes up and he sees that, first of all, there's now become an additional half a gris. So in total we have a full gris. And there are two white hairs. So now... It's, it's a full-fledged saras. That's the first half of this Mishnah. Then the Mishnah cont- continues, 
and then the Mishnah explains that we have this principle that the Beharis has to precede the white hair and not vice versa. Okay. And then the Mishnah continues, Vim Suffolk, if there is a Suffolk, that means we have, we, we, we observe discolored skin, we observe white hair, we just don't know, we weren't paying close enough attention, it happened in his sleep, whatever. We don't know what came first. Did the white hair come first? in which case it's not a tzaras, or did the beheras come first, in which case it is tzaras. So we have a machalikus. The Tana Kama of the Mishnah, the anonymous default Tana of the Mishnah says, Tame, sorry, that it is impure. And then Rabbi Yeshua says, Keha, which we're not going to get into the word Keha right now, but basically Keha means that he holds it is pure, it is tohir, it is not tzaras. So again, if the beheras precedes the white hair, if the white hair precedes the Baharas, then it's Tahir. If it's a doubt, then we have a machloikas between the Tanakama and Reb Yehoshua. Adkan is the Mishnah. Now, on this Mishnah, there is a famous Gemara. We just learned one of the, one of the ways, one of the many ways this Gemara is famous. First of all, it's famous because it's a very <laughs> fascinating Gemara, fascinating story. But one of the ways why it's famous specifically in Chabad is because it's quoted, a line of it is quoted on the very first page of Tanya. We just learned it in the Chitas of Friday, which, by the way, was also this very same day with which we finished learning Hilchas Saras and Rambam, so it all comes together. Um, that is, that Rabbah were, never wasted a minute of Torah study. What's the source of that? that idea that Rabbah never wasted a minute of Torah study. So that comes from this story. We're not going to do the whole story, it's a long story, but we're just going to do the relevant part, which is basically that Rabbi, the, the Rabbah Van Achmeni was on, was on a hot, they were on a hot chase, they were chasing him, the, the authorities, they wanted to kill him, they wanted to put him to death, and he was escaping. So he was hanging out at this pond, he had just escaped from the jail, he was hanging out at this pond, and as he's, he's sitting there in the pond, or by the, near the pond, uh, learning Torah, and as this is going on down here in this world, there is something going on up there in the, in the heavenly world, right? There is a machloikas happening in the heavenly yeshiva. Who's the, he- who's the Rosh Yeshiva of the heavenly yeshiva? Hashem. Hashem, okay. So, the Rosh Yeshiva is having a machloikas with... The students. In Baharas Okay, so what's clear is clear. We know that if the Baharas comes first, it's Tommy. If the white hair comes first, it's Tommy. Suffolk. What's the thing of Suffolk? This very case that we just saw in the Mishnah that the Tanakama says Tommy and the Rabbi Shua says Tommy. This is the very concept that God and the Masifti Dirukiya were debating on that fateful day when Rabbi Barnachmeni is sitting by the pond studying Torah on his escape from the government who wanted to put him to death. God says Toy is pure. We call Amri Tommy, but the entire heavenly academy, they were at odds with God. They said, No, it is Tommy. Okay, so how are we going to adjudicate this uh, this machlokes? Man noichach, who's going to decide? Noichach, Rabbi Barnachmeni. This Rabbi Barnachmeni, who's down there at the pond, he's the guy who can adjudicate. He's going to decide who's right, God or the Masif to So we need to summon Rabbi Barnachmeni. So we're going. To, so why is Rabbi Barnachmeni the one who could adjudicate? Because Rabbi Barnachmeni has said that Ani Yochid bin Agoyim, Ani Yochid Bolis, I am unique, and as Rabbi Epstein likes to say, unique means the only one, singular, right? You can't, if you ever say very unique, watch out for Rabbi Epstein's wrath, because if it's unique, it's not very unique, it's either unique or it's not unique. So, ani yachid, I am singular, I am unique, b'negoyim, 
I, he was unique in his grasp of anything to do with the laws of Nagoim, of Tzeras. Abimela, it says it's suitable for Rabbi Manachmeni to be, I can't believe he actually thinks the World Cup is more interesting than this. Um, and um, he, uh, it's, it's, it's appropriate for Rabbi Barachmeni to be the one to adjudicate this machlekah. So we have to summon him. So who do they send? They send the Malach Hamavis. And the Malach Hamavis was not able to summon Rabbi Barachmeni because Rabbi Barachmeni was That's studying Torah. And he wouldn't stop, right? That's where the Alter Rebbe, that's the quote in Tanya, that Rabbi Nachmini never stopped studying Torah. Even here, I mean, the Alter Rebbe doesn't spell that all out, but even here he's like running for his life. And even so, he is not stopping for a minute from Torah study. By the way, there's a, par- some, a nice parallel story of the Rebbe when he was in escaping the Nazis and he was in Vichy, um, which you can all be um, seen on the various gem interviews, etc. Not for right now. Anyway, so... Um, there was a guy who was going to arrange the visas to leave France, but the Rebbe said only if it could be done without Bittal Torah. Anyway, so basically, how are we going to get the Malach, how are we going to get Rabbe? So Rabbe, so, so the Malach Hamavis makes this, the wind, sorry, the wind makes a sound between the reeds, which made it sound as if the king's messengers were, were about to catch him. So quickly, he has to stand up and escape, because they're about to catch him. So as he stopped, for that instance, he stopped learning Torah, oh, the Malach HaMavos was able to grab him, and he took him to the next world. Ki Havukonaycha Nafshei, as Rabbi was dying, he said, Tohir, Tohir. He ruled on this, uh, on this case. Tohir, Tohir, the Torah is pure. He ruled in accordance with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Right, Tohir. Okay, then the Zabaskal came, and it said, um, that you are pure and your body is pure and your soul is pure and your soul left you with pure okay, very nice now, later on in the Gemara it says that um, it didn't just say that it was pure he actually found an allusion to this not an, not an illusion, an allusion an allusion to this where the Pasuk says that because it has the word before the word so um, so that uh, indicates to us that if we're not, not sure, we err on the side of Tahir. Okay, that's the end of the story that's relevant to our sugi right here. So again, let's summarize. In the case of a doubt, what came first, the Baharas or the white hair? We have Machloikas in the Mishnah between the Tanakama who says it is no good, and the Bishua says who is good. We have a parallel Machloikas between God and the Masif Tudirakiyah, whatever that means, we'll see soon, that God says it is good, and the Masif Tudirakiyah says it's not good. We call upon Rabbi Barnachmini to adjudicate, and he says that it is good like God and like Rabbi Yeshua. And so, if you were the Rambam, um, if you were the Rambam and you were writing the laws of Taras, what would you write? Would you write that it is pure, or would you write that it is impure? Hey, Some says it's pure. That's pure. Hashem says it's pure. It's pure. Not only did Hashem say it's pure, he, we, we had to get a rabbit to adjudicate, and he also said it's pure, right? So you would do. So Lechayra, you would rule in accordance with God and Rabbi Barnachmeni. I mean, if you're gonna, what's it called? Hedge your bets. You know, that's uh, okay. So, says the birthday boy, that he would pass in like God. Okay? However, if you open the Rambam, Hilchus Tumas Teraz, Perek Beis Halacha Tes, it's the final halacha in the, in the chapter, in chapter 2, out of 15 chapters, I, prefer, I think. 16, 16 chapters. So, the Rambam says, he quotes the Mishnah, Baharas Kachatsi Gris, you have a Baharas half a gris, and, and, and then next to the half a gris, so so far we're nothing, and then next to it you have another Baharas of a half a gris, and in that half a gris is two white hairs, so then 
it becomes Tomei. However, Sophic say eleven. If we don't know which one came first, so then says the Rambam Harezu Tomei. It is impure. He rules like the Tanakama. He rules like the Masifta the Rakia against Hakadosh Baruch against Rabbi Nachmani, against Rabbi Yeshua. And then the Rambam adds two words: the early Shatumasi Besofik. It appears to me that the, this is considered a doubtful Tuma, a Sophic Tuma, which we're not going to get into those last words of the Rambam right now. Okay, so before. Before we understand, before we go into understanding why the Rambam, why the Rambam paskins like, like against God, <laughs> against Rabbi Manachmeni's adjudication, there's a more fundamental question that has to be asked, and that is in Torah there is always a concept of chazaka, which uh, very loosely would translate as status quo. What that means is that we could always we always assume the status quo. So just uh, uh, t- perhaps a typical example: um, some Ruvain. Let's use a different name. Um, <coughs> Avram. No, it's also someone present. All right, let's go. Yeah, Shmerel. Okay, there's no Shmerels around this table. Shmerel wants to divorce his wife, so his wife is on the other side of. Uh, the world, he, the other side, he, he's in Chicago and his wife is in, I don't know, New York. So, so, so he sends a shliach, he gives, he writes again, there's something called a shliach, Yosef, there's something called a shliach, you, you write the get, he gives it to the shliach and he says, you're going to New York, I'm making you a shliach to deliver this get to my wife. And then, once it takes him, uh, before the interstate highways, it takes him a week to get to New York. He gets to New York, he finds his wife, and he finds Shmerel's wife, and he delivers the get, and at the moment, Shmerel's wife receives the get, receives the get from the agent, who, the, from the delivery boy, who brought it from Chicago, she becomes divorced. Now the question is, okay, before uh, modern communication, you can only divorce a wife of a living husband. How do you know a week later, when you're getting to New York, that the husband, that Shmerel, is still alive? Maybe he died. And then the, the divorce would be invalid, right? There could be all sorts of ramifications. We need to know. Halakhically, is this woman considered a widow or is she considered a divorcee? There's many, many ramifications to that. So the answer is chazaka. We assume status quo. If the husband was alive a week ago and he made you a shleich, we're going to assume, unless you, unless you know otherwise, we're going to assume he's still alive. That's called chazaka. Now, this principle of chazaka, what? Sorry? I think I just learned this. But it, it comes up in many areas, in, in many, many sugars and shahs. Chazaka, sometimes it makes more sense to us, sometimes it seems a little bit like... So in, what, like in this case specifically, isn't there also a point that there, um, when he gives it, he's alive, and then technically the shliach is tra- being transferred, and it doesn't matter even if you... No, if, if we were to know that the husband died, the shliach would not be allowed to deliver the get. Uh, right. If he doesn't know... If he doesn't know, if he doesn't know, we have a chazoka, which again, very loosely, I'm translating the status quo. It's not really an accurate translation, but let's just use it for now. Um, now, <coughs> um, uh, Dan, can I drop you for a tissue, please? The, the, um, now, then there's something called reyasa in the chazoka. If the chazoka, or the status quo, thank you, has been challenged. <coughs> so if the status quo has been challenged, so now we're not going to rely on the Chazaka. So in our case, where Shmerel is sending a get to New York, what happens if we hear, hear that Shmerel was hit by a truck? Now, we don't know that he died. It's possible that he's still alive. But we, do, we, we can no longer just assume he's alive because we had a status quo. Because that status quo, that Chazaka, was challenged. Okay. Now, let's try and import that 
a model into Tsurasa there. <coughs> we have here a doubt. We don't know whether or not this guy is a Mitzayra. We don't know. If the Baharath came first, he is a Mitzayra. If the Whitehead came first, he's not a Mitzayra. So Lechayra, why don't we just assume status quo? Status quo is that he was not a Mitzayra, so let's maintain that status quo. And in fact, um, the Rambam says so clearly <coughs> in later on in chapter 6 of Thomas Saras, the Rambam says very clearly that with the exception of the two cases that we mentioned, one of them being our case right here, in all other cases, if a person has a suffix Saras, he's considered Torah. We, 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 he doesn't use the word Chazoka, but that's what he says, and it's in Perek Vav, Halach and Halach if a, if, if a so if a person is already a Matsura and we're not sure whether the Tsaras has, quote, healed, then we assume him to still be a Matsura, because status quo. But if he is not yet confirmed a Matsura, and we have a case we're not sure whether or not he's a Matsura, status quo is that he remains tired. So why don't we use that same concept of Chazaka over here to say that if we don't know if the Beharas preceded the White Hairs or the White Hairs preceded the Beharas, we should <coughs> keep him on his Chazaka. So this is a question which Ramam doesn't explicitly address, but many Rishonim address it. And um, I'll go through two answers. First of all, there's a Toysus. Toysus says, <coughs> here, this is not considered a Chazaka. Why not? Because the Chazaka has been challenged. The status quo has been challenged, just like we gave the muscle of Shmerel being hit by a truck. The, ch- the Chazaka has been challenged. How has the Chazaka been challenged? What's your Chazaka? Your Chazaka is that this guy is not a Matsura. That Chazaka has been challenged. Why? Because, Toysus says, um, Usually, the nega makes the white hair tummy. In other words, this whole this whole Taras thing is a supernatural phenomena. Which, by the way, there is um, some discussion. The Rambam says at the very end of Taras, which that, that the, what he says explicitly is that Taras on clothing and Taras on houses are supernatural. He doesn't explicitly say, at least in Mishnah Torah, that Taras on this on, on, on this flesh, on skin, is a supernatural phenomena. Um, if I recall correctly, there is some indication about the Rambam's opinion on that in his commentary to the Mishnah. Not for now, but just uh, just to mention that. Okay, so basically, Toysus says um, usually, usually ra- Baharas, usually Saras is Saras. So usually, if there's a Baharas, we're gonna and there's white hair, we're gonna assume that the Baharas came first. So in other words, Toysus is saying you've ruined your Chazaka. Now, so says the Toysus Yamtiv. I don't understand. I don't understand. Mainly, you're talking about a person with a dar- of dark complexion who's young, so his hair is not white anyway. So then, um, you could uh, make the assumption of Taisus that the ch- if he has white hairs and he has a Baharas, he's, ru- he's ruined his Chazaka, and therefore we assume him to be Tommy. But that wouldn't be true, he says, of an older person whose, ha- whose hairs are naturally white. And it also wouldn't be true, he says, of a German person whose skin is naturally a lighter color and his hair is also naturally a lighter color. And he says, you look at the Mishnah, it says that any case of Suffolk, we have this very same discussion. It doesn't matter if he's young or old, it doesn't matter if he's Ethiopian, which he just means dark complexion, or he's German. Right? That's the Tzayyam Tzayyam Ben Kushi Ben Germani. So, so therefore, Tzayyam doesn't like this answer of Tzayyam and he comes up with another answer. He says, he says, he, he quotes this answer, and the Tzayyam himself doesn't like it, but, uh, but in the Mishnah, it fits very nicely, and this suggestion is made by the Maeser Ikeach to be Pshat in the Rambam. He says, if you look carefully, I read to you the Rambam from Perek Beis Halachetes. However, if you look earlier on in that same paragraph, three halachas earlier, it says, the white hair, the, 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 the basic principle that we're all 
basing this whole discussion on the basic principle that the white hair is only a sumantuma if it is follow if it follows the baharis, but if it precedes the baharis, so then it's not a sumantuma. Now, when the Rambam said that, he didn't mention anything about a case of doubt. Only three halachas later where we mention this unusual case where you start off with a half a gris and the half a gris is nothing but then afterwards you have an additional half a gris next to it which with two hairs in that case the Rambam says that in a doubt you're machmer says the Maestri Keach and other other Rishonim learn this chat in the Mishnah that, ta- that it's, it's by, this is not just a fluke, this is by design. If it's a, na- a, a quote, a regular case where we, we observe a Baharis, we observe white hairs, and we have no idea what came first, so then you would taka assume him to not be Tsaras. Why? Because you taka have, you indeed have a Chazaka, that w- the status quo. But here we're talking about a case where we know for sure there was already a Baharis of a half a gris. So even though Baharis of a half a gris is not good enough, is not Baharis enough, it's not to, to qualify as Tsaras, but it's at least Baharis enough to challenge the status quo. Like in the muscle of the guy being hit by a truck. We don't know for sure he's dead, but at least the status quo has been, has, has been, uh, has been put to challenge. So what do you so, have? So, so, so here we're saying, that what we're suggesting mm-hmm. over here is that the Rambam only holds that the Rambam is only saying and again, the, the Rambam would learn this in the mission also, that the suffix where we're saying that your tummy is only if you know for sure you had a half a baharis before the white hairs. Then you have half a baharis before the white hairs. That's called a challenge to the chazaka, a challenge to the status quo. And we're going to assume that the second half of the baharis also preceded the white hairs. And we're going to make him tummy. But if it's a straight out doubt, we have no idea what came first. We would take a rely on the chazaka. That's one interpretation of the Rambam. So, Rabbi. Yes. Can't you just wait and see if it goes larger? Then you know for sure. There are cases where you have to wait to see if it gets larger, but here the Rambam doesn't say that. He doesn't say to wait to see if you get larger. He says it's coming. I know, but a practical mm-hmm. thing is if you see that it's <coughs> going to get bigger, then you know for sure. You well, thank God, it, right? thank God, Saras is not practical, <laughs> so uh, we don't need to talk practical. This is just like we mentioned last week. We study Torah to study Torah, not for practical. <coughs> Mm-hmm. Okay. Tosis Yomtev was before the Rambam or after? Tosis Yomtev is much after the Rambam. Tosis Yomtev is uh, in the last, uh, I don't know, I, I, I'm going uh, prefer- to pro- um, publicize my ignorance over here, but in the last, a few hundred years ago, the Tosis Yomtev, if I, I don't remember exactly, if I don't even think he mentions the Rambam. He's talking about the Mishnah. But the Mahasir Kerach, he quotes, he says his Prat in the Rambam, and then he says that, I think he says that he found the Tosis Yomtev similar. No, maybe not. I don't know. Whatever the case is, it, it, this chat is a little bit more difficult to interpret in the Mishnah than it is in the Rambam. Whatever the case is, that's a chat in the Rambam. Now, now let's go back to our original question of, okay, so we've understood, we understand why the principle of Chazaka doesn't challenge the Rambam's ruling, because the Chazaka has been challenged, but what about this whole story which you said before? Why is the Rambam paskening against God? Why is he paskening against Rabbi Bar Nachman's adjudication? So, on a very basic level, the Kassav Mishnah says, I'm sorry, what God says is irrelevant, because, as we know the principle, we had a, n- a number of classes on this in the past, about prophecy and dreams. Torah, Torah 
is not we only what only ma- well, the only thing that matters is the way it's understood down here in this world by the Bezdin, by the majority of the Bezdin of the Sanhedrin, and so what God says is also is irrelevant. I Rabbi Barnachmeni, Rabbi Barnachmeni is down here on earth. No, Rabbi Barnachmeni is also irrelevant because he says it. He said it as his soul was departing. That is also basically considered as if he said it in the next world, and it is irrelevant. Okay, that's basically the summary of the halacha side of this conversation, at least the, mid, the main primary points. And now I would like to take a question or two. I would like to move on to what Chassidus has to say, and I'm going to be basing this on a discussion of the Alter Rebbe in the Kutitayra Pashas Tazriya, on a mimer of the Samach Tzedek in Derech Metzisecha, in the Laws of Taras, and also in a Sicha from our Rebbe in the Kutitayra Pashas you'd base. Um, on Parshas Tazria, and perhaps in another sicha also in Chelik Gimel and Lagba Imer. So just to make sure the sources are out there. Yes, Yosef. Oh, I no, I thought you said one else. Okay. So I'm going to ask three questions and hopefully um, address these three questions from the perspective of Chassidus. Three questions are, and I believe this was Rabbil's question to start out with. What does it even mean that the Masif to the dispute God? What's that supposed to mean? Right? I mean, ostensibly, the idea of studying Torah is Torah is the Word of God. You're trying to understand the Word of God. So, uh, you know, it's like the joke of um, the, 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 the brisker, the, the brisker them who are, they're, they're very passionate about studying Rambam and, you know, fine, fine-tuning exactly what the Rambam means. And they, they can't make up their mind and they come into the next world and, and, they, and they say... Um, and he, there's different versions of the joke, but basically they, they introduce and go ask the man himself. Mm. He asks the Rambam himself, and um, the Rambam says, "Oh no, you got it completely wrong. This is just a typo. That's not what he said." Um, <laughs> and uh, the Brisker looks at him and he goes, "Was oh, Frank in the Rambam?" Which is a racist joke about um, the intellectual qualities of Sephardim. But the point is that. And, you know, ostensibly you're studying Torah to, um, to, uh, to, um, to understand the word of God. Well, God is telling you what he means. What, what does this mean that the Masif Tadurkiya are arguing on God? Number two, um, once we figure out what it means that there's a machlokus between God and the Masif Tadurkiya, well, who's Rabbi Bar Nachmeni? Well, why does he get to adjudicate this? And finally, once we understand what God means, what Masif Tadurkiya means, and what Rabbi Bar Nachmeni means, then we have to ask the question, which we tried to address a little bit from a nigel perspective, but from the Chassidus perspective, who we're going to paskin like. Okay, so Mamali Kolalmin and Soiviv Kolalmin. I'm sure everybody's at least heard those terms. If you've studied any Tanya or Chassidus, you've certainly heard them. Very briefly, we, we talk about God the way God is in a quote-unquote real relationship with this world. Obviously, God as the creator and the controller, but the world is part of the picture. And then, so you call him the way God is, let's use the the word, beyond worlds. So a very, um, perhaps, simplistic marshal. You have the kid who, for him, whether or not he gets this, uh, the lollipop from the candy man, is the make it and break it for his his whole day. And then you have the adult candy. It's like it's it's sugar. It's na- it doesn't even taste good. It tastes artificial. A geschmacker steak, you know, uh, in a short rib with on the, on the on sous vide on the grill, and, and, and that, that's geschmack, right? So from the adult's perspective, who's a who's a food connoisseur, the, the, the candy is completely insignificant. But from the kid's perspective, 
the candy is everything. So you might say the same thing, you know, from our perspective, we think, oh wow, the world, this is like, this is the real deal, and if I don't have enough money to pay the bills, that really affects me, and if I'm having a good day, that also really affects me. And then you have God, who the whole thing, he doesn't, if it's good, it doesn't, it's not meaningful to him. Again, meaningful is the wrong word. It's not, it's not significant to him. If it's if it's if if it's bad, it's not significant. The whole, the whole thing is like, oh, did I get a yellow candy or a red candy? What's the difference? You know, I mean, I don't mean red. Of course, red is better. But I'm just saying, okay, <laughs> um, um, yellow or, or green. You know, pineapple or apple, whatever. You know, okay. I think blue is the so, color around here. So, right. you know. so if we're to, <laughs> I think it's the mystery color is it's the favorite. The mystery color. The mystery. All right. It's the blue one. So we have here the Masuf to the Rakia and God talking about Saras. So, Saras, in general, impurity, what does impurity mean? It means that I feel myself as being my own entity, separate from God. That's why, how do you counter Tuma? You go to the Mikvah, you do Tevila, which is the same letters as the word Bittal, right? So, impurity, Tuma, Saras, is the opposite of Bittal, of alignment with God, Right? So, Kedusha, holiness, purity, that's one side, in li- in being aligned with God. And Tuma, Saras, is the opposite of that. Now, so, the Masif Tadirakia, the heavenly yeshiva, they are operating on a Mamali Kalalman, from a Mamali Kalalman perspective, right? They are studying Torah, obviously they're not studying Torah the same way we do in this world, but they're studying, to- they're studying Torah in yeshiva style, in other words, it's mirroring the way we study yeshiva, Torah in this world. So they're, pers- they're, they're they're approaching it from a world from a quote worldly perspective. From a worldly perspective, what we have here is a suffic tuma, a suffic. Perhaps this person is already out overstepped the boundary. He's no longer in alignment with God. And so, this is true of any suffix. Anytime we have a doubt about a biblical law, we always go on the, on the side of caution, suffix l'chumra. So, so too here, if this person may be out of line, he may have, he may have too much um, of his own ego starting to build up, so suffix is going to be tummy. Because as soon as you, you, you're a little bit out of line, you're already a threat. You're talking about bittal or not bittal, right? Are you, are you your own identity? Or are, you in line, are you subsumed and aligned within God's identity? Well, it's like the kid, you know, the kid could misbehave in class, but before he misbehaves in class, he's already behaving in a way where the kid is like, okay, the teacher might think, okay, I better put this kid in place. If I don't, I can see where this is headed. So that's if you have... A regular teacher who's doing his class discipline, right? So that's why the Masif Tadarachia, they say this is no good. But God, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is a perspective of Soivav Kalamin. That means, Kadosh, Kadosh means removed, right? So it's Soivav, it's the higher perspective. Over there, a little bit of, a little bit of Yashus is not really a threat. In other words, it's so, it's so, it, it, the world is so insignificant that so long, if you have an, an explicit threat, if the kid is actually, imagine you have a teacher who's, who's, who doesn't need to discipline, he's such a good teacher, and he's, and he's so talented in, in, in teaching and maintaining his calm and his cool and all that stuff, the kid fidgeting in the back is not going to disturb him, right? So, 
from the perspective of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, from Seif of Kalalmin, um, over there we're going to say that a little bit of Yashus doesn't uh, doesn't affect, and that's why from Hakadosh Baruch Hu's perspective, we're going to say it is pure. So this. So just to answer the first question, what does it mean that the Masif Tadirakiya are arguing with God? It's not really that they're arguing. Masif Tadirakiya and, and God and HaKadosh Baruch Hu are expressing two different perspectives. We have the perspective of Mamalikul Almin, where this small infringement already poses a threat. And we have the perspective of Soivav Kalalmin, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, where such a minute uh, um, uh, infringement doesn't pose a threat. In other words, How, it could be a big deal to us, but not to Kodesh. Exactly, exactly. Very good. Okay. Um, <coughs> I'm going to say this very same point with a little bit more depth in Hasidic terminology. And um, bear with me, but if you don't bear with me, well, you'll get back onto the train in a, in, a, in a couple moments. Originally, there's only God, right? So everything is Kodesh, everything is holiness. How do we even get to a reality where we have things that um, attempt or seek to negate God. So we know there's this idea called Shvira Sakelim, the, the, you have the, uh, the world of Toho, and then the chaos, it's too intense, and everything, everything uh, you know, the, the chaos just destroys everything, and from that we have the Eurydice and Etzitzis until you come to that the Klippos, the forces of impurity, we call them, are able to survive by latching onto these sparks that quote, fall down from the Shvira Sakelim. Now, in Kabbalah, it explains that the point where Shvira Sakelim starts is from Das and down. Why from Das and down? Because Shvira Sakelim is an emotional, the, the chaos is an, is, an, is, is an emotional response, right? It's, it's too intense. You know, the guy has a nervous breakdown, that's Shvira Sakelim. It's an emotional thing. It's not an intellectual thing. People who have, unfortunately, sometimes the guys who have these nervous breakdowns, they're the smartest guys. Intellectually, they're amazing. It's on an emotional level that the, the emotions can't contain that type of intensity. So Das is really where emotions start. Das is that, that point of transfer where you're taking this intellectual idea and translating it and developing it into an emotional reaction, feeling toward it. So... Therefore, um, what we're saying is that from the perspective of Mamalikol Almin, what we, we have to pass in the halacha, the, the yeshiva, the Masif Tadrakiya, we pass in the halacha according to what we understand. That means we're already within the realm of Das, of understanding. What, what's within, of, of what we can relate to. Right, mid is also that's the things we you can have an emotional relationship with something you relate to. If it's completely beyond you, you can't really have an, a real relationship with it. So from within that perspective, we're already with have to we're already within this within the w- within the realm where shvira sakelim has an impact, where the forces of impurity have nourishment to exist, and therefore we have to reckon with it as a force. And therefore, as soon as there's a suffix, we say this is no good. Whereas HaKadosh Baruch which we said before, was Soiv of Kalamun, which is higher than Das, over there, there's no Shvira Sakelim. I'm, I'm beyond the threat of Shvira Sakelim, of this turning into chaotic um, reality that allows, us f- allows for Klippas to exist. And therefore, from the perspective of God, it, um, it doesn't pose a threat. Again, that's just a little bit taken from the mind of the Samach Tzedek and a little bit from the Kutu Torah also. That's sort of a little bit more um, 
language and, and, and to explain what this means. Okay, so to summarize, we've answered question one. Question one was, what does it mean that Masif Tudurakiyah argue with God? The answer is that Masif Tudurakiyah and God are just two perspectives within different, what we call different levels of Alikus. Yeah, from the perspective of Amalek Alamin, this suffix already poses a threat, and therefore they say it's Tame. From the perspective of Seyv of Kalalmin, it does not pose a threat, and therefore it is not, it does not, uh, it is Tahir. Okay. Now, then we say, okay, we have this Machlikus, who's going to be Machriya, who's going to adjudicate, who's going to decide? Rabbi Barachmeni. And remember, we said, Rabbi Barachmeni, why does he get to Paskin? Because the Gemara said, he is Yochid bin Nagoim. He is unique in Nagoim. Now, that word Yochid is really important because um, there is Echod and there is Yochid. Hashem Elkein Hashem Echod. God is one, and Yochid means singu- singular. What is the difference between one and singular? One indicates more. One indicates either that there is or that at least there's a possibility for two. Singular or singular. There's no there's, there's nothing else happening, right? So even though we say that we, we until now we've been saying Hakadosh Baruch Hu is Sevakulamin, he's at this that's the perspective of where the worlds are completely insignificant. At the end of the day, it's not completely insignificant. It's insignificant, but it's soiviv kalalmin. It's ins- the worlds are insignificant, but you're already talking about some relationship to the world. The higher level of God, which is represented by Rabbi Nachmani, who is not echad but yachid, singular, right? That's the perspective where there is no threat at all. From the Olamas. And you might say, this is a, using our muscle of the kid who wants to know if he's going to get a yellow or a green candy versus the adult who, um, who, who's the, the, the food connoisseur of the country, right? Okay, but at the end of the day, they're worlds apart, but at the end of the day, they're both talking the same language. They're both about what makes your palate feel the best, right? Okay, so you have a much more sophisticated palate than the kid. But then you have a person who... Food... T- you, Taste of food, eh, that's nothing. You know what really, what, what's really geschmack, what's really pleasurable? Doing a favor, helping another yid. Right now, that's already a completely different, you're not talking about a, a, a lollipop versus steak. You're talking about materialistic, lowly indulgence versus a much more a higher type of, of pleasure that a person can have. A, a pleasure from doing a mitzvah, a pleasure from doing a favor for another yid. So... That's where food is completely insignificant. You're going to tempt him with a steak. He doesn't know what you're talking about, right? Now, there is a concept in halacha called halacha kedivrei hamachria, which Chassidus uses this. Actually, the way Chassidus uses it is not exactly what it means in halacha, but for the purposes of our clock, which we're watching, we're going to explain it from the what, what, from the way Chassidus explains it. Now, halacha kedivrei hamachria means according to this interpretation, that you have a machlikus, you say A, you say B. So how, so, so there's a concept of machriya. Machriya is somebody, so on a literal level you might say it's somebody who's the middle ground. The middle ground, okay, we're going to pass like the middle ground. Says chesidus, no. Machriya doesn't mean the middle ground. Machriya means somebody who is beyond these two perspectives, and from a place of being beyond those two perspectives, he's able to say something which is correct according to both of them. Right? Not 
I'm going to compromise. I'll take a little bit of what you say and a little bit of what you say and make a compromise. Compromise says, Chassidus, that's not what Machriya means. Machriya means I am from, I'm able to uplift myself to a much higher perspective where I can, I can take the point where both of you agree fully. Uh, compromise is I take 50% of you, 50% of you. So Chassidus Machriya is a place where I can take 100% of both of you and, 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 and bring it. And really, this is, I mean, uh, in, in modern psychology and understanding, this is, this is you know, whenever there's between two people in therapy, whatever it is, often the solution is can we uh, can we lift these people up to a place where they could there could be an, an option that works for both of them. Now it's not just about technicality. You know, you want to go vacation to Japan, you want to go vacation to Hawaii. Okay, I'm going to convince you guys. But you go to Bahamas, you'll both like it. Fine. It, it takes maturity to be able to say to to, to 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 lift yourself up. You know, I'm trapped. No, this is what I want. This is what I want. Right. A certain level of maturity of lifting yourself beyond that, you're able to see um, how actually there is another option here which you were not able to see earlier. I'll give, one, I'll give an example which is brought in the Sikha. I just think it's, uh, might, might be, uh, it's, uh, I think it's quite relatable. You have Chesed, Gevura, Tiferes. Chesed is kindness. I'm just going to give the guy, just give and give and give. Gevura says, no, you don't just give and give and give. Does he deserve it? Does he not deserve it? You only give people what they deserve. So that's chesed, that's givura. What's the machriya? The machriya is teferas, rachamim. Rachamim comes along and says, look, Mr. Chesed, Rachamim is not saying, okay, you're saying I should give him a thousand, you're saying I should give him nothing, okay, I'll give him five hundred. That's not machriya. Teferas comes along and says, have rachmonis, have compassion. Don't be just kind to the guy. Be merciful to him. What does that mean? You, givura, are saying give him nothing because he doesn't deserve anything. Your chesed is saying, give him, it doesn't matter what he, what he, whether or not he deserves. Comes to Ferris and says, look, you're talking from the perspective of the recipient. He doesn't, des- he doesn't deserve it. You're talking from the perspective of the giver. I'm, just gonna g- I'm a giver type of guy. I'm just going to give and give. Says to Ferris, let, 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 let's look at this from a different perspective. Give him, but not because he deserves it. Right? In other words, chesed, you're not saying give him because he deserves it. I agree with you that he doesn't deserve it. But can we come to a place of being compassionate and merciful to him where we're able to give him, not just because you want to give endlessly, you, you, without even th- a thought about whether or not he deserves it, we're going to think about him and we're going to recognize that maybe he indeed does not deserve it. And at the same time, we can still be compassionate and give it to him in a, from a place of Rachmanus, not from a place of Chesed and not withholding from a place of Gevura, but that type of Tiferes which is able to lift it up higher. So, back to our story with Tzaras and Rabbi Barachmeni. God is saying, and you sit to the Rakiah, Kaddish Baruch Hu, Mesif to the Rakiah, Soiviv Kalalmin, and Mamali Kalalmin. We're at odds with each other. Mamali Kalalmin sees this as a, as a threat. Soiviv Kalalmin doesn't see it as a threat. Rabbi is Yochid. He's, much high, he's even higher than Soiviv Kalalmin, where, again, he's the guy who doesn't care about steak or about candies. He just cares about real things, right? And he is able to make this impression... Um, on, on, even on Mamalikal, I mean, he's able to make this impression on Masif Tadarakia, where they might not be able to, they're, they're staying at Mamalikal, I mean, they're not going to recognize that he's on this really, really sublime level. They're not, sorry, they're not going to recognize what that is. They're not going to be able to adopt the perspective of Rabbah. But Rabbah, from his place of Yachid, he's able to impress upon them that this is the reality. Yes, you don't understand it. Yes, you don't relate to it, but it, but but you recognize my greatness, <laughs> not my greatness. You recognize, you recognize that there is this idea where Malik Kalman is irrelevant and Sayyid Kalman is irrelevant. It's just God Himself, 
And from that, you're able to recognize that that is something that, something that I can... I, sometimes you, the guy is such a genius, you could hear the guy speak, he's such a genius. I didn't understand the word he said, but I understood that there was true genius in it. So when you're able to have that, then you're able to impact that. Even Mamalikal Amun can agree, you know what, it's time. Fine, I don't really understand why. I don't really understand why. But uh, Rabbi Barnachmeni, from such a high perspective, was able to show me that such a perspective exists. And such a perspective is much more real and true than, right, than, than, than me. And even me, who likes to go to shallots and really get a good uh, you know, piece of steak, I can recognize that the guy to whom this is meaningless and he gets his fulfillment in life out of doing mitzvahs, that's the real deal. I don't feel that way, but I can recognize that that's, that's real. Right? And that's why, says the Rebbe, if you look in the Gemara, Rabbi Barachmeni doesn't say the same thing as God. God said Tohir, Rabbi Barachmeni said Tohir, Tohir. It was a double Tohir. Because the Tohir of Rabbi Barachmeni is a much more sublime Tohir than the perspective of, of Soiv of Kalman of HaKadosh Baruch, Baruch And it's specifically that Tohir, Tohir, that level that can influence even even Mamali Kalam and even Masif to the Rakia. And part I don't get the, how is how is Tahar Tahar more better than to, the fact that it's the to, No, I'm which part say which part are you Tahir Tahir represent Rabbi is Yochid. Rabbi is that level that's Higher than than Soiv of Kolamin, and that is alluded to in the fact that Soiv of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, which is Soiv of Kolamin, just as regular Tahir, and Rabbi Barachmeni has a double lotion of Tahir to demonstrate that this is not we're not it's not that we're saying the same. Yes, at the end of the day, we're both saying Tahir, but Rabbi Barachmeni is saying it from a perspective where there is no possibility of in, of Tuma. You can't be what higher. You call than that level on Chassidus. And by the way, not only is Rabbi Barnachmeni able to, he's even able to show them that there's a Pasuk in Torah, remember? He had the Pasuk in Torah that it says Latari before Latamri, to demonstrate that if there's a case of doubt, Latari takes precedent, to make it pure. They couldn't find the Pasuk in the Chumash themselves? No, Rabbi Barnachmeni was able to show them this, and once he showed it to them, they were, he was able to say, show them that, look, really, there's at least an illusion to this staring at you in the face. There's a similar concept which is, comes up in the Gemara a number of times where you have that, um, that, that they asked Rav, Rav Kano or Rav a question on his, on his ruling. Shosagraf, he didn't have what to he couldn't respond to the challenge, but nevertheless, the halacha remains that, like that. So Chassidus always invokes that story to demonstrate that you have sometimes an idea where Shosagraf, I can't really articulate, I, can't, I don't have the intellectual capacity, intellectual grasp and language to, 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 to communicate and to demonstrate why this is the case. But I have this hanacha, I have this deep-rooted recognition that that is the case. Right? That's like me, who I like steak, but I could really recognize that the real truth is alikus. That's what really, with the guy who enjoys doing mitzvahs, that's what's really meaningful. So that's kind of what's happening here with the Masif Tadukir and Rabbi Barnachmeni, where on the one hand they can't really relate to his perspective, but on the other, ta- hand, on the other hand, it's so, it's, Rabbi Barnachmeni's influence on them is so powerful, they're so strong, that they're able to recognize that that in fact is the case. Oh, one second. So now, so that's the second question. Second question I asked was, what does it mean that Rabbi Barnachmeni is the one to adjudicate? So we have Imadah Kalaman, Sehu Kalaman, and let's call it Yachid, Atzmus, which is 
super, not just supersedes both of them, but like we said before, achro is not about <coughs> superseding. It's not about compromise. It's tafka. It's that from the place of achro, from the place of of yachid, you're able to impact and influence even the perspective of the malikon. Okay. Now the question. Sorry. Now the question is. Okay, that's all nice and the mamali and so everything. But how are we supposed to paskin? So we already discussed from the nikkel perspective how we're supposed to paskin. We spoke about it before and the kasef mishnah invoked Torah lebashamayimhi. But now we're going to do the chesidus pshat in the Rambam. So the Alter Rebbe in his Maimer in the Torah specifically says this question. He, 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 in the Maimer he quotes the Rambam that we started with over here in Tumas and he says, "What's going on? Why does Rambam paskin this way?" And we have the Rash, Rash Mishans, which is one of the Rishonim, one of the Bali Atosis, also a commentary on the Mishnah. And he implies that, not like the Rambam, he implies that he passed in Star. So, what the Al-Tarebbe says is like this. The Rambam's perspective is, this is all good, I get it. But at the end of the day, like the Kassav Mishnah says, because, not because I'm negating the value of, what, of everything we've said until now, but at the end of the day, if I, just because... Just because it's 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 uh, you influence me, okay, you influence me, but I have to paskin. I'm down here in this world. I have to paskin halacha. I have to paskin it the way I understand it. And I'll remember that quotes the Gemara in Erevin, which says it's an Erevin that you give base that. Right? What does that mean? God knows, God knows that Rameyer is unique. There's no one like Rameyer, there's no one like Rameyer in his brilliance. But nevertheless, we don't paskin like Rameyer. Right? By the way, it doesn't mean that we never paskin like Rameyer, it just means that we don't fix that the halachas should always follow like Rameyer. Why not? If Rameyer is the most brilliant guy, and God even knows that he's unique, so why are we not always passing like Rameyer? The answer is because Shalayachal Chamim Lamed Osayif Daitoi. Rameyer, the Chamim, they they couldn't understand, they they couldn't grasp, they couldn't really grasp what he was saying, right? And the example the Gemara gives is that whatever you said, you said it was Tomei, he was able to be morally upon him to demonstrate that it should be Tomei. You say it's Tomei, he would be able to demonstrate that really it should be Tomei. His 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 mastery over everything in Torah would, you know, he could do the sleight of hand on you and whatever you say, he'll bring you proofs the opposite. So that's brilliance, but it doesn't work when it comes to Paskaning, because in Paskaning, if I don't know if you're actually meaning what you're saying what you mean, or you're just doing some sleight of hand and just trying to trick me into, not trick me for the sake of tricking, tricking me for the sake of sharpening my skills of Torah study, fine, but at the end of the day, that's not a recipe for good Pesach Halacha. So therefore, because he's because he was too brilliant for me, that's it's that was detrimental to him that we can't paskin like him. Says Al Tarebbe, morally pun him. It means I'm able to take something that's so sublime and make it and 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 and, and bring it down to you like sort of the primius, taking the primius of something the sublime, the way it is from the perspective of Yachid, of slave of Kalam, and then bring it down to you. But if I can't really grasp it fully, I can't paskin like that. Says Al Tarebbe, that's exactly what the Rambam is doing over here. The Rambam, you tell me God paskins like this, you tell me Rabbi Manachmeni paskins like this. It's like Rabbi Meir. It's amazing. It's super brilliant. It's super, it's super intense. It's amazing. But I can't paskin like this. I don't. I, I can only paskin 
the way I see it. And therefore, for the way I see it, that's the perspective of Mamali Kalalmin, that's the perspective of Masif Tidurakia, and therefore it's nice that in the next world, Masif Tidurakia may have uh, agreed to be adjudicated by Rabbi Barnachmeni, but in this world, I have to maintain the perspective of Masif of the Yeshiva, which Paskin's Tomei, and therefore I Paskin like the Tanakhama that it's Tomei. However, the Rash, he Paskins, or at least implies that the Psak is like HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, why does he do so? So the Altarebbe says two words. I'm not sure exactly what he means, but I'll, I'll suggest. He, he says that it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, early in the Maimah, the Altarebbe talks about how HaKadosh Baruch Hu kind of bridges this gap between Soivev and Mamali, because Kaddish is Soivev Kalamin, it's sublime, but Baruch means that it's drawn down. So perhaps, perhaps, if I, if I recall correctly, the Lashon al I'll look it up right here. I think he says that if it were just to be Rabbi Vanachmeni, yeah, Rabbi Manachmeni is super sublime. There's no way I could pass him like Rabbi Manachmeni in this world. But because HaKadosh Baruch is also on his team, it's, it's the opposite of the way it is in Nigla. In Nigla, what God says is irrelevant because Torah is not in the next world. But, but, Rabbi, but what Rabbi Manachmeni says should be relevant. So we say no, the Kassim Mishnah says, because he said it as he was passing, so it's also like Torah Lebashamayimim. Here we're saying, forget, if it would just be Rabbi Manachmeni, that would be so sublime, of course the Rash would agree that I don't pay any attention to it. But because it's also God, it's also HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu, again, I, I believe this is what Al-Tarebbe means to say over here. Because it's also because it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu, um, that kind of, in some way, bridges this gap that there is between Seyyid and Mali. Therefore, the Rash Bishan says we pa- can't pass in like HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and he says to her that it is pure. Um, now, I just want to add one more thing over here. There is... I mentioned to you before, the Gemara says that God knows how great Reb Meir is, and the Chachamim know how great Reb Meir is. So his, his colleagues also recognize how great he was, but because he was too great for them, they couldn't pass him like him. That's what the Gemara says in the Arabian. Now, there is another Gemara, in a, it's a Yerushalmi, in San, the beginning of Sanhedrin, Perikala Falocha Beis where it talks about the process of Rabbi Kiva giving semicha to his students. And Rameyer was given pr- priority over Rabbi Shimon, which is Rabbi Shimon Bayechoi. So Rabbi Shimon, niskar kumupanov, penei Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon was, was disheartened, like, he, he, why was Rameyer being treated better than him? He knew that he was a bigger Torah scholar than Rameyer. So he felt like, is my Torah, you know, he felt challenged. So Rabbi Kiva says to him, it's enough that you, that me and your creator recognize your talent, recognize your strength. So, in a sicha of Lag Boimer, which is in the Gimel, the Rebbe explains this, Al-Pichasidus, what this means is that Rameyer, he was so great, like we saw before, but at least he, he was so great that his colleagues were able to recognize it. And that's like the Moshal I gave before, where you hear the lecture of this guy who's such a genius, you could tell that he's such a genius. You don't understand the word he says, but you're just like in awe of how smart he is. But Reb Shem Ben Yechai, his genius is so sublime, his genius is so sublime that nobody recognizes it. God recognizes it, and his teacher, Rabbi Kiva, recognizes it, but other people don't recognize how, how, how brilliant he is. He's able to, to somehow... Um, deliver that brilliance without people catching on of how brilliant he actually is. So the Rebbe talks about that, you know, about the level of Rabbi Shimon being even higher than the level of Rabbi Meir. But I was thinking, the Gemara says, another Gemara, Gemara says in Erevin, 
and later on in Erevin Dachman Vav, we have this whole list of when we have a machlekus between this person and that person, who do we pass? And then there's rules. You have Rebbe yeah, we pass like Rebbe. Remeiv Reb Shimon Mai. When you have a machlekus Remeiv Reb Shimon, what's the halacha? Who do we pass like Remeiv Reb Shimon? And the Gemara says, Come on, you learned Erevin. You don't remember? Just kidding. Uh, the Gemara says Teiku. We don't know. I didn't learn Erevin. You didn't start the Fiyemi before Erevin. Yes, you did. You started from Sachin? Where did you start a few from? Yeah, I started from Sachin. All right, so you'll learn it in five years' time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when you get to Erevim and Bavamid Beis, you'll be just a few daft before making your same Ashash. So you'll remember this class. Um, so I just saw on, on, online a video of the, there's this Kailal called Shas Yidin, where there's guys who l- learn the entire Shas every year, and then they know, and they have this big test where they have all the Tabidachim come and testing them on shots. And you have like, it must be about 50 guys over there. Each one has a mic and they ask these questions and these guys are screaming. You can't hear anything. They're screaming all the answers at the same time into the mic. Anyway, so, uh, so where in shots does it run? And the guys are like rattling off the places over here. Uh, anyway, so, Nitzashem. So the Gemara says, when we have Machlechus and Meir and Shimon, how do you pass when the Gemara says Teiko? So I was thinking that perhaps this is mirroring this <coughs> the same conflict that we have, which Alter Rebbe is discussing over here. The Rambam paskins like the like like the Tanakama, and the Rash paskins like Hakadosh Baruch Hu. The Rambam is saying it's too sublime. Remeir, you are too sublime. I don't get it. I can't paskin like you. So I have to paskin like Reb Shimon, even though Reb Shimon might even be more sublime. But if I but I don't recognize Shimon it. Wasn't involved in that. Situation. I know, I'm, but I'm not saying Remeir and Shimon. Remeir also wasn't involved in it. I'm saying the, the concepts over here, that you have one type of sublime that's so sublime and therefore you can't pass like it. On the other hand, you have something, something that's so sublime, I don't even recognize that it's sublime, that's Shimon. So perhaps there's this challenge where this din of Tsaras, is it so sublime and therefore I can't pass like it? Like Ramey is so sublime and I can't pass like him, and that's the Rambam's perspective. Or you have the perspective of the Rash where he says, yes, it's so sublime, but I don't recognize that it's so sublime. To me, it's like Shimon. And therefore, I can't pass like it. Okay, that's just an, an idea that I had at the end, sort of to tie it all together. Um, either take it or leave it. Anyway, thank you for joining me, and uh, we celebrate the Siyam of learning of Taras, which is Hilchas the Mashiach, not even Hilchas the Mashiach, because when Mashiach comes, there won't be any Taras. And Alichtigin Chanukah to everybody. There are many Chanukah review classes from the Sunday morning series online. So I figured this we, we did not have to do it again this year. And uh, I feel like I can't everyone.